That's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, is good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. How is this a personnel issue? Ish? I think I really think it's just a, a player fit. Like I I think, and it again, is. this is this is partially his fault, right? These are his transfers yes. that he brought in, right? But I'm still saying I think this is just a whiff. I think this is just a whiff on you his part. You can't, you can't, it, you cannot whiff with this much talent. And I love Texas Tech. This is home. And I get to stay home. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Zone Star State Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruning. Joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson and Ish. Um, I didn't plan it this way. This is coincidental, but it is Valentine's Day, and this is our most positive podcast I think of all time. Like gonna, I sent you a rundown. The love today. <laughs> We're gonna be I sent the you a rundown. There's only one loss to talk about today, That's and a true. bunch of wins. So yeah. I'm in a great mood. This is gonna be a great podcast. <laughs> so no, I think we got some uh, got some love to spread around here. Got some good and got some hearts to throw out to. A lot of uh, a lot of teams, and in particular, one conference that we've been kind of talking about a lot. I'd say, yes, um, a lot of women's basketball stuff. I want to touch touch on real quick, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll start with the men's side because the the main results that caught our eyes, caught the country's attention for the most part, was Texas Tech beating Texas seventy four to sixty seven um, in Lubbock. In a game that Texas Tech led for a majority of the time, uh, Texas comes back, ties it at 64 apiece, and then Texas Tech pulls away at the end. They're still without Pop Isaacs. They have Fardos Amac back, which we've talked about a lot. We've talked about this team a good amount, considering how you know much they've struggled. Uh, mm-hmm. Going starting 0-8 in conference play, um, now winning you know, two in a row, they won, they beat LSU, they beat Iowa State on, in that crazy comeback, then they lose to Baylor, lose to Oklahoma State. Now they've beaten Kansas State and beaten Texas in back-to-back games, both at home. And, uh, yeah, what, what were your takeaways from the game? Yeah, I, my favorite my favorite moment was when uh, they win and Devion Harmon kind of hits the ground and, like, you know, yeah. starts, like, patting, the, uh, hitting, the, hitting the court, and they flash up the – third straight win at home versus AP fit top 15. And then it shows their record three and 10. <laughs> yeah. so like They've only beaten those teams at home. And it's just, like, it was funny because it just shows how crazy stupid this conference is. Um, you know, the two bottom teams are still top 60 in Ken Palm, I think mm-hmm. um, at like five combined wins between them in conference. I mean, I, th- I think I took like two different things away from this. One, it's that as bad as Tech has been in conference, it just shows the depth of the Big 12 because this team is a contender in any other conference. I really think that. Um, they've been on the wrong side of some close games. They've been obviously underperforming. I'm not going not gonna, to uh, uh, shy away from that. But... I feel like when you have the con- the rest of the conference, like a Kansas State, let's say, 
right? Surging to the top. Um, you have Kansas still at the top. You have Texas, obviously, kind of at its at its one of its best years. Baylor, we thought was on a downturn. There turns out to be fine. TCU having one of its best years ever. I think if you're not on your game, what could have probably been an average season turns into a pretty bad one. Um, because I'm looking at the text text results right now. Losing at six, losing by six TCU by three to Kansas, five in overtime to Oklahoma. Of course, they get blown up by Iowa State. They lose by two at Texas. And of course, they come back to beat Texas. They lose by three at Oklahoma State. And all of a sudden, you know, how much of those seasons, their seasons turned around by those, if they can just get half of those games. Um, so with that being said, I think this isn't quite the panic button season that I think we thought this was for tech at one point. Um, granted, they're still far away from, you know, any semblance of a postseason uh, based on this record. Unfortunately, they might maybe CBI or something, but I think what this does is I know there was some probably some early panic button people wondering about, Oh, did we give Mark Adams an extension too quickly? All that stuff. I think it was fine. I think they're fine. Um, I think, you know, when you have the Fardos thing and the injuries and all that stuff, pop Isaac's out now, the fact that you can go out and still have this kind of home court advantage against Texas, you know, one of the better Texas teams we've seen again, without pop Isaacs um, Mm -hmm. and kind of, kind of bully them in ways, right? Like we, I yep. think inside Fardaz and Obana, Texas had no answer for those guys, just straight up no answer. Uh, Fardaz didn't play his best game, but you could just see his presence alone just kind of affecting so much. Um, I thought Obana played one of his best games of the year. And I, I don't know, I, I, I look at this game and I say, okay, if you just kind of crumple this season and just throw it away, Mark Adams is still a good damn coach. Texas Tech still should be a really good program. Next year, it is what it is when Houston comes in and, you know, the conference kind of gets better. But I yeah. think you should still be in the, in the thick of things. Um, you mentioned O'Banner and AMAC. Uh, Davion Harmon, who you talked about at the beginning. Yes, he played a great how game much, as well. How much it meant to him. Yeah. Uh, ends the game with 25 points. Uh, his best, the best game of his career. It's a career high for him, 25 points. We talked coming into this year um, – about the question marks and you know what Texas Tech was getting from him, I think a lot of fans over had much too high expectations coming into sure. the year of what Davion Harmon was, what he was going to be, what he was going to do for them. Uh, he's still you know shooting like twenty eight percent from three, fifty one percent from two. Like that's what you're going to get. You're going. I think he's actually been better than what I thought he was going to be. I think and so that, too. I think that's less still under what Texas Tech fans thought he was going to be like there's a weird middle ground where he is playing really, really well um, in spurts, but like overall the product is not, he's not going to be this all conference first team guard for you. He's, sure. he's just not, but I say that in this type of performance, you can tell how much it meant to him. I mean, this is his third team in four years. Like mm-hmm. this is, this was a moment. I feel like he feels really embraced. I feel like we, I've seen videos with him, like talking to, to teammates, to Mark Adams, like throughout this whole season about how bought in he is. And this was a culmination of all of that work, the movement, the Mark Adams buy-in, uh, things not going their way where Davion Harmon was the only one on the court when Pop Isaacs and Fardos was out. Um, I mm-hmm. think O'Banner's missed a couple games here and there. Like it felt like it's been all on his shoulders and they've lost time and time yeah. again and this time they won 
And yeah. so that that was a really cool moment because you, we 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 knew Davion Harmon's path of being a freaking fringe five star guy and then not working out Oklahoma, not working. I mean, Oregon was whatever, and then he comes mm-hmm. Tech. And this was a very very vindicative moment for him, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I thought his defense was actually pretty solid as well. Um, he guarded Tyrese Hunter. Tyrese Hunter didn't have a great game. There was some moments where he got lost in because like, he was he had to like help off of. Serge Barry Rice and of course if you leave him open he's gonna make you pay things like that but like it's not like I don't know uh, uh, Jabari Rice didn't have a great game either and there were only a couple moments where uh, he got kind of lost on a on a switch or like a collapse and and they kicked it out but most like overall on ball he I thought he was really I thought he played a really good defense like you mentioned there was some there were some shots where like it was a lot of those no 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 yes kind of shots yeah. uh, early in the shot clock some deep threes things like that where he's like oh and he made them he was on you know um he kind of has that and i kind of knew this in high school he has a russell westbrook quality to him right where it's like he's a downhill guy nobody can stay in front of him really if he gets down downhill and sometimes he may settle a little bit for his shot um but some nights he's feeling it and it that kind of like attitude kind of festers and kind of like permeates through um, through this team. And I think especially at home yesterday, I think a lot of the fan base was just like, obviously it was a, it was a raucous crowd as well, but I think it just helped having that guy knowing that you're going to have a guy who's just going to go downhill for 48 minutes, you know, or 40 minutes. Um, it was definitely, yeah, it was definitely the biggest game of his career easily. And yeah, I don't know. There were some moments in this game when it started, I was like, uh, I don't know. Like, it just felt like it was going to be one of those games that Tech was going to like get away. Yeah. And granted, they and we can kind of switch to Texas. You know, they were able to be physical and then kind of rough them up a bit and not give them easy looks. And to kind of go to the Texas side of it, I think that's kind of what the concern was for me heading into this year and heading in, or heading into this half year with with Rodney Terry when conference started. When teams can kind of bully you and push you around. You know, they, at least right now, have not shown the ability to say, cool, it's going to be one of those type of games. Let's go. You know, it's, it's, Marcus Carr was great last night. Like that was, that was, it was kind of like him dragging the team in many ways, um, I thought. And outside of maybe Dylan DeSue, that was kind of it. Everybody else looked like, it looked like last year when they went to Lubbock. It was like, oh, geez, like this game's a little bit too much. The crowd's yeah. on us. This is on us, you know? Um, it was a lot of Marcus Carr and then not really much else. They're currently sixth in the conference in defense, Texas is. Yeah. Um, you allow this Texas Tech team to score 74 points on you. I was about to say, without, without their arguably their best scorer. Without, <laughs> like, yeah, Isaac's definitely their best shooter. Probably, yeah, probably definitely their best, best shooter, scorer. Yes. Yes. Um, 74 points from Texas Tech on you. Uh, the win over West Virginia at home was what it was. You know, that's a good win by 34 sure. points. Cool. But if you look at, like, you allow 71 to Baylor, 82 to Tennessee, 80 to Kansas, 74 to Texas Tech, the defense is not quite there. This is not the same team um, under Rodney Terry, to to be frank. But also the personnel, I don't think, is, is the same. So I can't hold – that's one thing i do wonder where it's like is this team just not built to necessarily go like in a slugfest you know well thing is last year we were like all right they got no guards like they were no guards but we were just like all right 
Like, how are they going to do this where they're not scoring the ball? Like, they didn't have a choice in a lot of situations. It felt like they had to punch you in the face or else they were going to get killed. Mm -hmm. This year, their their offense is up to 12th in the country. Like, they're they're second in the Big 12 in in offense. Like, they're capable of scoring the ball. We've talked about this time and time again, how Marcus Carr, Jabari Rice, all these, Tyrese Hunter, like, they're, they're scoring the ball at a much higher clip it might have caused them to be a little bit more of a finesse team. And then you get Rodney Terry as your head coach instead of Chris Beard. That is a drastic change as yeah. far as, you know, styles go. Coach, I'm not sure. saying Rodney Terry's reinventing the wheel over there or right. trying anything, but as far as emphasis go, he's not Chris Beard. So you add all of that together, the defense is not where I think it needs to be and I think where we expected it to be coming into this season. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, I will say the biggest difference, and I'm looking at it right now, and I was wondering if this is just a, a, sem- a, a symptom of the offense or if it's something that's actually changed. It looks like to me, and it looked like last night, that they just did not – they weren't able to get inside. And it looks like this year – I feel like this year they haven't been able to get inside as much. And so I was curious. And so I looked up the numbers. Twenty-two. This is from our good friends at Hoop Math. 2022 – uh marcus carr i think he's getting about the same 17 percent of his shots with the rim this year he's down to 14 percent. the biggest change i think i've seen and this is something that i've, I've seen confirmed now timmy allen was at 51.5 percent of his shots in the in, uh, percent of his shots in the paint he's at 31 this year right it's a there is a severe drastic drop in shots that these guys are getting at the rim. And when you're, when probably your most, not your best score, but you're probably your most consistent score, Timmy Allen isn't getting the easiest looks that he was getting last year. I think that's kind of a semblance of maybe overall the team just is, again, they're better shooting. So like, obviously you're going to take outside shots yeah. if you're a better shooting team. But I do wonder if they kind of do lack a little bit of physicality or if that's just not the focus of what Rodney Terry is, is doing this year. I was just going to say Dylan D'Souza was out there popping for threes the whole game. I mean, right, right. T- Tim, Timmy Allen had two points and uh, they, they bring in Cunningham off the bench who basically stays at the three point line. Bishop right. is an in- interior player, but he's not, I mean, he played 16 minutes, three points. Like he's not an enforcer. Texas right. Tech had the better front court, has the better front court. I was about to say, yeah, when, when healthy there, yeah, it's sizes there, the scoring is there, things like that, yeah. Um, Last thing, I think, because we spend enough time on this, but uh, yeah, yeah. if Texas Tech goes 4-1, and one, do they make the tournament? 4-1 in these <laughs> final five games. They're currently 3-2 oh, in the God. conference. Look, and I asked this full well knowing that they are too low in the net right now. They're too low in right. 10 They're they don't have uh, non-conference wins, which we talked about a lot. They didn't have the non-conference results. So there's, the answer is pro- probably no to this. Right. However, I watched the Baylor-West Virginia broadcast a bit, and they could not stop talking about how West Virginia was going to make the tournament, even though they're sitting at, like, I think they're 4-11 and 11 now, whatever. Uh, Joe Lenardi has them in right now. Yeah. If West Virginia is getting in the tournament, and Texas Tech, let's just say, wins four of the last five, which would – be tough because they're going to have to actually win on the road, which they've only done yeah. once this year at LSU. Right. They're going to have to win on the road. We'll have to see how this goes. But if they go 4-1 and one and they end at 7-11 and 11 in conference, in the Big 12, how are they not making the tournament? No, it's fair. I mean, Joe Lenardi has eight Big 12 teams in right now. Um, Tech does get – they get West Virginia next coming up on Saturday. 
in they have, Where does he have West, West Virginia at? Does he have? He's like, like in, the ten seed. So they're they're in in. They're they're in in. They're one of the last four buys, I think. So yeah. they avoid the plan. Yeah, they don't um, play the elevens. Right, and so yeah, yeah, he has them as the last one of the last. So they'll four have buys. to like again four to five. You have to beat West Virginia on the road. You have to beat Oklahoma on the road. Like those are not easy. Right. You have to win those two on the road, and then you have to win two out of three against TCU, Kansas, and Oklahoma State. Right. Not I mean, it's, it's not it's it's not out of the realm of possibility as it was like a week ago, right? Um, these are two; those are two huge wins at uh, uh, home against Kansas State and home against Texas. Um, so yeah, I mean, granted, they're going to get their shot, right? If they, like you said, if they win four out of the last five, right? If the one loss is at Lawrence, yeah. or if then they the tournament too. Then they whatever runs in the tournament, you know this Big Twelve team is gonna this, this is gonna be a gauntlet this this tournament. Um, yeah, I mean it's possible, which is crazy to think because again this is a team that started off what zero and eight zero and yeah, <laughs> yeah. like so yeah um, I'd say it's a possibility because like I mentioned with Ken Palm there's they're sixty third in Ken Palm and they're three and ten in conference or four and I guess four and, and they don't 10. have a non conference win to speak of right so it's like it's nuts how that team's still like sixty third. Um, but yeah, they're they're gonna have a chance, and it's gonna that's that's wild to think about. <laughs> four and one, and four and one the rest of the way, and you win a game in the tournament. I think, I think there's a real shot. Like if they beat, um, I don't know, Iowa. No, not even Iowa State. Who's in the middle of the pack? Like TCU. If they beat TCU sure. in the tournament, in the first right. round, let's say, yeah, and then lose to whatever Texas or something in the second round, like you're in. I think they're in. Yep. Wow. I think so. Man, I was just talking through that. Crazy Everybody in. All right. Yeah. So heart for Texas Tech. There you go. Uh, not a heart for Texas, but whatever. We've yeah. given them enough, <laughs> enough heart this year. All right. Uh, real quick, I just want to talk about Baylor. We do not have to spend long on this. Yep. Uh, Baylor has now won 10 of 11. They are now the number one offense in Ken Palm. Um, they are a machine. They look unstoppable. Jonathan Chamachacho is back. Oh, he's ba- He is back, back. And he puts, puts up 11 points on five of seven shooting. One steal, one block, you know, one assist, one everything, does everything, and uh, this team still can do it. Like Keontae George, six points, it doesn't matter. Twenty six yeah. from Cryer, thirteen from Flagler, twelve from Bridges. Again, I've said Bridges before. I think he's been a real. They've needed him to come on at the four spot. He's done that, so we'll see. Uh, but the next three games: Kansas, Kansas State, Texas. Uh, the first two of which are on the road, so. Those will be a big three. If they can just get – I think if they get one of the three and then, you know, beat win the last two against Oklahoma State and Iowa State, you're looking at a 12-6 uh, and six season from uh, Baylor. Yeah, I think so. I think that when you when you look at the way this team is playing against West Virginia, West Virginia in particular, they were pretty, pretty, pretty decently against their press. I mean, like they were, they were able to kind of cut them up in half court and kind of be uh, – uh, West Virginia put some kind of half court press on them and, you know, they're, they're typical um, – yeah. Uh, press Virginia stuff, but they weren't able to kind of break that break down Baylor's offense. And then Baylor was kind of able to stay composed and get quick looks. Um, and they were able to generate, you know, breeze. And, and it having Jonathan Chamachatro back, and I think they've managed him perfectly. You know, they have Flo Thomas starting still, and he comes off the bench, um, but he plays more minutes. I think that'll eventually change, obviously, um, because hey, when you have an offense clicking, you know, why kind of mess up a good thing? Um, and if you can bring somebody like Jonathan Chamochacho off the bench, okay, sure, awesome. Um, but yeah, like this after all this, right? After all the smoke and all this craziness, 
it would be crazy just like, oh yeah, Baylor's just going to win the Big 12 potentially again. Because um, right now they are tied with Texas at the top with nine at nine and four. Mm-hmm. Kansas, of course, is a half game out at eight and four. Um, and of course, you still got three teams there at seven and five. So like everybody's the- they're st- theoretically still half the conference in the conversation. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's looking, I mean, it's, it's looking more and more like Baylor's just the best team in the Big 12 again. And mm-hmm. we'll see this weekend, uh, they go to Lawrence and that's going to be an insane, insane game against Kansas. Yes. Um. Also, don't spend long on this, but Texas A&M, I watched yeah. play LSU. I was in person, got my eyes you, on You on saw that. this one. Those, uh, all right, so at one point, what was the score of this game? Because it, it was, was uh, 41 to 14 oh with God. about 10 seconds left in the second half. Or second, I'm sorry, first half, first yeah. half. And then First LSU of all, I'm sorry you have to watch this, this year's LSU team. <laughs> yeah, it is awful. Um, so 41-14, uh, the, the funniest part to me is that AM has two players in their starting lineup from the Baton Rouge area. And those two family families consisted about 30% of the attendance. <laughs> they brought everybody. <laughs> they brought everybody. And they were dancing. They were loud. It was great. Um, but yeah, That's for awesome. those who don't know, uh, Tyrese Radford is from Baton Rouge. Um, and Dexter Dennis. I didn't know this. I found this out because I saw a bunch of Dexter Dennis shirts. Uh, he's from Baton Rouge area, Baker, which is a little north of Baton Rouge, but it's you know, right there. Okay. Um, and then Solomon Washington, a freshman from New Orleans. They got three Louisiana guys, though. They were packed. I, I didn't see Washington's fan. I'm, I'm sure there were some there, but yeah, yeah. Uh, a very, very big uh, A&M contingent for that game. So that made it interesting. And then they just beat the brakes off of LSU. Um, right. I'll, I will say – my biggest takeaway, which I think we we knew going into it, mm-hmm. but like Way Taylor and Tyrese Radford as a one-two punch at, at the guard spots, man. Yeah, that is so freaking tough. Like that is they were like you watch them on TV, you're like okay, but I don't know when you watch them in person, just play the way that they played. It's like man, they are cool, collected. They have everything under control. Way Taylor was was awesome. Every time LSU made a shot to try to come back, Way Taylor was like, "Nope," and mm. put it away. Uh, Marble's been a great addition for them. Um, Dexter Dennis is is was an, another awesome addition for them. I know we had question marks about both of them coming into the year as transfers, sure. but man, those guys were great. So yeah, and um, I mean, you're playing LSU. LSU sucks, but to put it on them the way that they did, I mean, that was that was really impressive. Yeah, Lenardi has them has them in in put them in the tournament. Uh, damn it! No, yeah, they're, they're they're not like last four in. They are in. I think they has. I think he has them as a ten now. Um, and again, that isn't like sure projections or whatever. But like, unless they fall off a cliff, yeah. At this point, they're they're in. Like they're ten and two in conference right now. Like again, unless they just absolutely fall apart and then get eliminated the first round of the conference tournament, yeah. that's not going to happen. Um, they're they're in this team's in uh they they still have a chance at a you know outside chance but technically still a chance at the conference regular season title um and yeah i mean this team's again remember i remember when we had like a come to jesus moment about it buzz williams is the guy and all of a sudden they're just second sitting here um with a chance to beat arkansas at home this uh Mm -hmm. tomorrow i guess we're recording on tuesday so yep this is the stretch coming up this well we talked about this last podcast we said yeah Arkansas, Missouri, Tennessee, Mississippi State. That's the stretch. Mm-hmm. If they go two and two, I'm happy. Yeah. If they go two and two, I'm I'm pretty happy. As long as the two losses aren't blowouts. I mean, you go right. 
for the rest of these last six games, if they go three and three and then fifth, 13 and five, I can't ask for anything more from this team. Yeah, same. I can't either. Um, let's see. What else? What else that I have written down here? Oh, and Corpus Christi. Mm-hmm. I want to give them a shout out. Another heart handing out another heart over here. Yes. Um, has won six straight games. Now sits at ten and three in conference. And I wanted to highlight this because they played Nickel State on the road down here in Thibodeau. Um, I will not be going to that game. Thibodeau is like an hour and a half away. Um, so I'm not going to the game. But anyways, they play Nickel State on Thursday. And Nickel State uh, has four losses, I believe, in conference. So that'll be a big game for the you know jostling of the top two or three mm-hmm. in conference. But, yeah, good win. Uh, I mean, they beat Lamar again. You can beat up on the bottom of this conference quite a bit. Sure. Uh, if if you are in you know an AM Corpus Christi who has been to the tournament who has guys on this team. But the race for the top three is interesting to me because you have Northwestern State, AM Corpus Christi, and now Nickel State all in that range. So Corpus mm-hmm. Christi and Northwestern State have three losses. Nickel State has four losses. And uh we'll see how that shakes out. But I want to give a shout out to uh yeah, AM Corpus Christi. Yeah, they're both uh they're they're ranked first in offense and defense in the conference and efficiency. So they are looking pretty damn good. And I know we had questions after they yeah. were started four and three and they lost sure. Christian. We were like, Oh, is this a disappointment? Is this a yeah. disappointment? Like what's going on? Yeah, they're fine. Yeah, they're they're pretty okay. Um honestly, Steve Lutz should be maybe getting some looks because Two years potentially back to back conference championships. You know, again, we'll see what happens with this year, but uh, at the very least, last year made it, has a really good shot of making it this year uh, in his first two years. I mean, that's that's impressive stuff. Didn't we talk about Lutz to to UTSA? Was that the name that I threw out? Uh, Maybe it's a call they should make. (laughs) I mean, him, UTA. I mean, yeah, because he's the San Antonio native, right? Yes, yes, he is. Yeah, That's he, right. That is right. That is right. We did talk about it. He went okay. to I forgot which one we said, but yes, he went to uh, some high school. I forgot. But yes. Look at him. They, they need me to look at him. Make some calls. Yeah, we I we I remember we did bring that up before. So yeah, because yeah. Corpus uh, Christi ain't exactly a, a luxury facility place, so yeah. I'll still never forget them beating the brakes off UTSA in their their rec gym because they couldn't use the actual gym. Good times. <laughs> Not a UTSA too. Heart for you, heart for you over there. All right, um, Houston. All right, women's basketball time. Yep, a lot of results. A lot of results. Um, the main one, the main one. Houston women's basketball. They are back. Pull the tapes from early in the year. Every single podcast. Yes, we're on here telling you. Yes, yelling at you. This team is good. I don't care that they were like three and ten at one right. point. I didn't care. I I just I, we stood tall. Yes. Amongst all of the criticism, people saying, "How can they be good? They've won three games. They've lost like a hundred. It doesn't many matter." People, many people. They didn't many know doubters. what we know. Many doubters. They didn't know what we know. Right. Layla Blair, Brittany Onyezik, Bria Patterson. We we said the team. We know the team. They played on the road at number 24 South Florida, the best team in the American, the quote-unquote best team in the American, because I can't be sure about that anymore. I was about to say, I don't know. We can't we got be sure to, about that really anymore. Best team. Played US, US, USF on the road and beat them 71-69. Jumped on them early. I watched you know, first quarter or so, 19-14 in, in the first quarter. 
Uh, they're up 12 going to halftime. USF makes a run in the third to make it close. And then Houston puts them away at the end. Layla Blair, 30 points. 6 of 13 from 3. Career high for her. 4 assists. 3 rebounds. Brittany Onyeji, 14 points. Bria Patterson, 11. Tierra Young, 13. They, they, USF, for those who don't know, is one of the best offenses in the country. Like, yep. offensively, they just maul people. But they couldn't maul Houston. Nope. They, 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 do they also doubled them up on the boards. I'm just seeing that, too. <laughs> it's like 41-24 board spread. That was the first thing that, that stood out to me. I didn't watch all yeah. this whole game, but I watched pieces of it. The rebounding. Yeah. They were they were tougher. They got to line 23 times to USF's 11. They only committed 10 turnovers to USF's 19. They were just in them. And yeah. Houston just that what a win. So yeah. the biggest of hearts and shout outs to Houston women's basketball for now being what are they now seven and three in conference? Have won four in a row. And remember, we we talked about it earlier. The three losses have been by two by two and by three yeah they're seven i mean they're it, it's crazy they're seven and three right now seven and three right in conference yeah seven and three um of course south florida's probably gonna run away just based off the standings yeah. they're 11 and one they don't play houston loss. again they're, they're, they don't they remember the first time they played houston they only won by two okay okay never mind yeah never know you never know but point is you know, we we said early in the year this team should still be a, ver- a firm contender in the AAC, and standings are showing that. Man, they're one of the teams that has a shot. There's about three teams that have a shot at U- uh, UCF now, and they're one of them. They're right there. So, um, yeah, it's cool to see that kind of actually playing out, and not just us saying, "No, no, no, trust us." There's good. Like, they're actually like sitting there now, ten and three, um, ten and three overall. They're probably going to, if I had to bet on it, you know, I'd say they finish above 500. Um, And that's kind of, if you look at, again, if you look at their record, that's kind of insane. The fact that they're probably going to finish the year above 500. Let's see, as far as in-conference goes, they have been, I mean, the best defensive team in conference, long story short. Um, 35% from the field they're holding opponents to. They have the best three-point percentage in the conference at 20.7% from beyond the arc. They're allowing their uh, holding teams to. They've, they've turned it on, man, and it, it's hitting a new level. Um, like you mentioned, Blair, Young, Patterson, 15, 11, and 10 points a game. Um, just kind of yeah. spreading the love around there. So, yeah. Shout out to Houston. I just get so happy every time I see yes. that they've won. I, I love it. All right. <laughs> I did not watch this game. I don't know if you did. Um, yeah, I did not either. But Texas and I, Texas loses to Iowa State on the road. Doesn't feel like a actually. No, I did. See, sorry, I thought we were talking about. I thought we were going to talk about UTEP and UTSA. Uh, I did see Texas UTSA. State. I did see a little bit of Texas and Iowa State. Um, okay. I don't know. I it's it's one of those games where I'm like, I don't know. Iowa State's one of the uh, one of the best offensive teams in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched that game and I didn't feel any worse about Texas. Um, so I don't know. It, it it was at Iowa State too. And you're going to get these games where Ashley Jones just kind of has her groove. And that's what it was. Um, nobody was able to guard her. Uh, he still got a really good game scoring game from Maury Harmon. But it was more or less one of those games where I felt it was more about, I don't want to say concerns about 
the supporting cast scoring outside of Rory, but I feel like those games are just going to happen where it's like your best player is going to be the only player you have on. And eventually it's going to turn into one of those games where it's back and forth. Whoever's best player wins out. And it was Iowa state. It was Ashley Jones. Um, She went, where did she go? Three of six from three point range. Uh, She got the line 11 times, almost had a double, double, like, yeah, you know, uh, they, they shot eight of fifteen from three as a team. Yeah, yeah, and so like it, it was late. They had a chance, but it was it was eventually just putting Ashley Jones on the line and hoping she gets out of it, um, or she misses and she's one of the better free throw shooters. So it didn't happen. Um, you know, it is yeah. what it was. And then um, we were gonna get Karen Aston on this podcast if they beat UTEP. This is the one that I didn't see, but I saw the final score too. Yeah, yeah. They did I, was, I was looking, I was like, oh, let's see the score. And I was like, uh, never mind, never mind. They did not beat UTEP. <laughs> they did not beat UTEP at all <laughs> or come close. <laughs> the score was 30 to 27 at halftime. So you were, were like, cool. And then UTEP outscores them 29 to 7 in the yeah. third quarter. Yeah. They decided Lista to call. Lista Coleman popped off for 19 and 19 and 6. Yeah, good, for, good for UTSA. They have Lisa Coleman. Uh, UTEP had five in double figures. Yeah, uh, nine and five UTEP team now, so we'll see if they can live up to uh, our all our conference expectations. Now they got UAB, North Texas, FIU. I think those are three winnable games mm-hmm. uh, coming up. So uh, Middle Tennessee, it's at the end of the year. That's an interesting spot to play them. All right, um, we can run through uh, these results here. We we were recording a podcast when Texas State was playing Marshall, mm-hmm. and Texas State was down early. They come back. They beat Marshall um, 64-60, to 60, putting them a game up. Again, back-to-back results. They needed to beat Southern Miss. They beat Southern Miss. They needed to beat Marshall. They beat Marshall. Um, they are now, what is it, put them 10-4 and four in conference? Yeah, 10-4 and four in yep. conference. I mean, you got James Madison next, who's whatever, and then South Alabama is at the bottom of the conference. So they might be making a push-ish. It might be. I mean, again, this is a it's a frustrating year for them. Obviously, a lot of guys who they brought in haven't been clicking the way they wanted to. Uh, I think they really still lack a lot of inside presence. But I mean, you know, eh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will put a, you always say put a pin in it, put a pin in them. Texas State, when they I, I there is a chance we could be in two weeks talking about them fighting with Troy up there and the, that is true. That is true. Like I I mentioned their new, their newcomers have kind of been lackluster, but they're they're, the core that they have, you know, that's my, I guess that's my concern is their depth, right? Yeah. They have their core starting five. Maybe if you want to stretch to six off the bench and they're kind of leaning a lot on what they could do. Um, Troy, I don't know if I actually haven't seen Troy this year, so I don't know if they're still playing as deep as they have been. Notoriously, Troy is like nine, ten deep, yeah. um, and that's also ironically hurt them at times because they keep going that deep. So I don't know. That's that'd be my one concern against them uh, against Texas State. They are good, um, but as far as their ceiling is concerned, that's my only concern. Is you know, it's very, it's not quite Baylor last year, but it is very close to like. Uh, if you if you're looking for nine players, you're kind of stretching there, right? Yeah. If you're looking for eight, you're kind of stretching there. So we'll see. All right, Lamar beats uh, Anum Corpus Christi, and Lamar has now won four in a row. Anum Corpus Christi has now lost three in a row. We were praising the Anum Corpus Christi women's team, and then 
It's the getting the kiss of death. <laughs> come crashing back down. Meanwhile, Lamar is surging at eight and five. Southeastern is now in first place. We talked about this race between mm-hmm. Southeastern and AM Corpus Christi and AM Commerce. Now we're throwing Lamar in there, I guess. Uh, Southeastern might be able to hold off all these Texas teams and get it done. Uh, still, obviously, you know, four or five games left. Yeah, they got uh, Southeastern has Commerce and Lamar coming up in the next week. So they have Commerce this weekend, I think at at Commerce this weekend, and then at Lamar uh, next week. So they could, if they go 2-0, they could put this game to bed, this conference bed to bed. Um, But we'll see. Yeah, so that was a quick Southland uh, checkup, pulse check, pulse check. Uh, and then I want to give a shout out to uh, SFA for beating Grand Canyon 79 to 66. A really good win over a good Grand Canyon team. Um, they are now uh, nine and two in conference. Nothing crazy to report here. Just SFA is doing what they've been doing. And if we, you listen to us on earlier podcasts, we've talked about them and you know talked about them after the UTSA win and mm-hmm. a lot of uh, different wins at this point in the year. Um, but this was a win that they kind of needed if to to keep their you know tight grip on the conference sure. uh this was one that you needed and they and they got it yeah 100 let's see um i was gonna just make sure where check the standings one more time yeah, yeah no, southern good. utah is 11 and 1 um sfa is 11 and 2 in conference i don't know why i said 92 yeah 11 and 2 so they're right there with them and then everybody else is two games back so mm-hmm. we'll see how that shakes out all right that's it. That wraps up yeah. the pod. I'm trying we to think, uh, this week before we, we'll be back Friday. I'm trying to see if there's any big games on any side. Um, I'm trying to think. It looks like we're pretty okay on the women's side in terms of. Oh no, wait. Texas Tech plays Oklahoma, so that'll be a pretty. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma's ranked, so that'll be a good challenge for them. Yeah. Uh, looks like oh, T. We got TCU on the men's side. TCU at Iowa State. Again, we're still on Mike Miles' watch and kind of whatever they got going on there. Whenever, we'll whenever Mike gets back, yes. Um, okay. And Arkansas at AM on the men's side. This is to, this is Wednesday night. Um, I'm trying to think. Thursday, I think we're good. Uh, Houston at SMU. Forgot about that one. So they'll they'll wreck SMU, but still, that's an interstate matchup. <laughs> um, North Texas at La Tech. And yeah. I think that's mostly it. UAB has UTEP so at UTEP. So on the men, men's side. On the men's side, yeah. Okay. UTEP bounced back, got a win over UTSA. Good for them. Yeah, there you go. All it takes is playing UTSA to score 77 points. I think they had 77 <laughs> in their last two games combined almost. And they, they and then they, they get, get rice uh this on Thursday, UTSA. So they'll be in for a good time there. <laughs> UTSA is 321st in Ken Palm. One and fourteen in conference. There's your UTSA men's basketball update. <laughs> Dead last in offense and defense. Effective field goal percentage. Two point percentage. It's the worst freaking product I've ever seen. UTSA should be ashamed. Ashamed for the stadium. Ashamed for this team. Uh, this coach. They need to swap gyms with Houston Christian because Houston Christian actually has a bad gym. And they at least deserve to play in like an actual like basketball arena, <laughs> which UTSA should be relegated to like the gym. <laughs> the gym. I can't even call like, the, I can't word, even call Houston Christians arena. It's a gym, and UTSA send, should be playing in there. Send UTSA to Incarnate Word or Houston Christians. <laughs> yes, send UTSA to the Southland. <laughs> that's that's all I want. 
I agree. Yeah, I agree. Southland. Um, I mean, they only beat Incarnate Word by six this year. Are we really thinking that they could they could mm-hmm. win the, the Southland? I don't think so. That's a good point. I mean, they lost by like 20 to Corpus Christi early in the year. They're coming in fifth in the Southland. You this year's TSA team is coming in fifth in the Southland. Yeah, UTSA, what are they? 321. We got one, two, three, four, five teams in the Southland ahead of UTSA. And yeah, they don't Canada. want commerce. They don't they, prob- they probably don't want commerce. <laughs> commerce. They're coming in sixth because they oh disgusting. What a yeah, disgusting program. All right. That's it. I gotta go talk to Kim Mulkey. <laughs> right, um, we're getting out of here. Uh we appreciate y'all for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter at Matthew Bruno underscore and at Ishmael Johnson and at DCT Basketball. I just realized I had our nameplates on here the whole time. You weren't gonna tell oh. me anything ish? No, well just gonna let know. us have our have our names everywhere. There we go. Yeah, you, I mean, why not? People can follow if they want. Keep promoting. Just put them in the corners everywhere. All right. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. We appreciate the support. We tweet all the podcasts. Uh, leave us a five-star rating and, re- and review wherever you are listening. Uh, we will talk to you all on Friday, and we'll see you all then.